The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada, presented by Anime North, for Saturday night, November 26, 2022. You can contact us on the web, animeroundtable.com, on email, animeroundtable at gmail.com, and on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Anime Roundtable. Well, technically, we are still on November 26th. It's just after 11 p.m. as we start taping this. Really, we couldn't uh, delay this any further. Otherwise, it won't be November 26th anymore. Don't worry, we're not going to take attendance, but we will tell you now. Mike Nicholas sitting at six points. James Austin, Mohamed Shamarki there around the virtual tables. Kevin's late. He'll join us shortly. I mean, in his defense, it is obscenely late for us, right? Yeah, it is obscenely late. I expect better for a Sunday morning. Well, yeah. And uh, Amy sends her regards. So I think there is one important thing we should mention, Mike, and that is you mentioned where you can contact us. So I have to wonder, did you get the Mastodon account yet? That'll be on the to-do list, probably. Perhaps the last thing I'll do uh, on my week off. Okay, yes, as I said at the beginning, we are taping this on a Saturday night. We haven't done a Saturday night taping regularly, Anime North aside, since March, I think. Basically, when I went back to work. This is my first regularly scheduled week off from work since I returned there. Just like uh, the rest of the world, I guess uh, there's staffing shortages are a thing, so I felt a little bit lucky to be able to get a week off. But boy, did the timing of my week off come so badly. Here I was thinking I'd have that week off, be able to do a number of things, catch up on watching, catch up on reading, maybe learn a few things, actually start learning a little bit more about possibly starting the Twitch side of this project and maybe finally get around to streaming a couple of video games on the show's Twitch account. Yeah, and of course... uh, Happy belated U.S. Thanksgiving to our American listeners out there. So maybe I could uh, settle in and do a little Black Friday shopping. But then I'd be missing out on the World Cup. 
And the first week of the World Cup, we're near the... We're, we're, we're going to make people guess, I'm like, about which corrupt uh, Swiss uh, sporting organization was holding an event this week? The correct answer is yes. And it is kind of off, doesn't it? Because uh, usually it's in end of June, beginning of July. Well, but I, I was where they're holding it in Cotter and stuff like that, and the weather, the heat, and everything else, it's like probably still extremely inclement to play. Like all those stadiums they're built, it doesn't look like they have an open roof in any of them because they'd probably still be sweltering. Yeah. Well, they're, they're playing the games at night in Qatar. Yeah. I was on the topic of bad timing for these things. Yeah. The world cup first week is done. Lots to talk about there. And of course, it, of lots course of people lost some money. I'm sure too. <laughs> oh, sure. Lots of, lots of uh, wrong guesses and a couple broken, well, almost broken. I bet you some people up. just ripped their t- ticket and were cursing uh, VAR and video review for a few games. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure those that were betting on Belgium held off. That's another story. Well, let's see. What, who are the upsets? Uh, Japan beating Germany, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Although both um, Argentina won earlier today, and so did so did uh, well Saudi Arabia lost to who did they lose to? Who did they play? I forgot. I know they lost. That's all I know about it. They lost to Poland. So oh, Poland, Poland Poland was in their group. Australia won against Tunisia because remember Australia, it was funny, they were joking after that Japan game. Australia was 1-0 in France and then France just woke up and said, no, we're not losing this game. And oh they yeah. Won. They scored a few goals after that. And yeah, and France, and then, France was interesting. France is interesting because uh, I think they're the first team to book their book their place in the knockout stages in the round of 16. Yeah, because they, they won today. They won 2-1 over won two Denmark. Games. Well, it also means they've also won two games. I think they're the only team to do so, so far. Correct. And then and, uh, Argentina got back on track with a win over Mexico today, uh, 2-0. Yeah. They didn't have to worry about uh, all those goals uh, getting held back for offside because, yeah, they probably would have won that Saudi Arabia game if, they hadn't had those three goals called back. And then the other thing is they had to keep up with Saudi Arabia because they are quite an old, they're one of the oldest teams on the pitch in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Messi said this is his last one too, of course. The thing is, it's it's so funny because going into the tournament, France had a whole load of injuries. You name it, they were probably down if any key player. But yet they've looked the most convincing so far in this tournament. As they say, depth uh, definitely helps, right? Yeah, and well, a lot of their a lot of their stars were out, but then you're right; they just have some solid players that not many knew about or really talk about. And that happens in the major European countries with the uh, Premier League uh, leagues over there. Mm-hmm. It's definitely very different from Major League Soccer. Like it's helping to. Get some of us here in North American CONCACAF up to snuff, but trust me, we're still leagues behind, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Do you want to save a word for Canada right now? Well, there's throughout the tournament, there were some interesting ones uh, as well. Like uh, England, we started off very strong after uh, losing out in the final and penalty kicks to Italy in the Euro Cup. So I think. 
there's a lot to prove in this tournament for them. And I think a lot of people think they can go all the way. So it'll be interesting to see how far they go. But they definitely were putting on a clinic against um, Iran when they played them, beating them 6-2 and stuff like that. And they're, some of the younger players got some goals and got some redemption. So that was great. And then Wales, they tied uh, the U.S. that day. And that was quite a fun game to watch. And the Welsh were really doing well in the second half. And that's why I felt bad yesterday when uh, we saw the games. And it was the 0-0 draw for U.S. Uh, and uh, Britain, England. And so that was uh, interesting. Uh, It's like, and that's why you need to score all those goals before because they really need to get to the next round. But then the heartbreaker was the Wales uh, Iran game because it was 0 0 until injury time in the second half. And Iran scored the goal, which pushed them over the edge. And then I guess they wanted to move people forward. So then they were able to get a second goal, which made them. I knew there was a red card in that game. So. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know all the details. See, okay, like the thing is, this is the story of my week off. I tried to watch as many games as I could, but the games start here at around 5 a.m. our time. I tried to, like on the Monday, I tried to watch, not the Monday, because there was three games on the Monday, but I did watch yeah. all those. Get That's when England that. was, they were on the Monday, yeah. Yeah. And then on the Tuesday, I tried to, you know, stick around to watch as like for at 4 a.m. to watch games <laughs> or 4.30 to watch the or 5 a.m. game. And then I just got knocked out the rest of the day. So that I couldn't win on that. But since then, uh, I, I tried to at least manage it or. A little bit better. There, the early now. There's a bunch of early games. Okay, the last couple days, the early games haven't been of any appeal. But tomorrow might be a tough one because we're from where we're sitting right now. We are six hours away from Japan and Costa Rica. That'll be the first game in the morning, our time, and then at 11 a.m. our time, Canada and Croatia, which is has made headlines off the pitch already. Because of the coaches, yeah. But, uh, well, John Herman yeah. likes to fire up uh, all the players, as we know, and he started that was trying to say, "Hey, we can actually make the World Cup 2022," and everyone's like, "Sure, John, sure, we're going to make uh, the World Cup 2022." I think everyone was thinking, "Well, we'll be lucky that we'll be able to kind of be on the pitch for 2026 when it's uh, a Tri Nation uh, hosting event with uh, Canada, U.S., Mexico." So. It's interesting to be here now and to see uh, what Canada did on Wednesday since you were saying about talking about Canada because they put up a real good fight against Belgium and Belgium is number two. And so that, I guess, gives some heart and uh, some belief, I guess, that maybe they can pull something off against Croatia since Croatia was the runner-up in the last uh, World Cup. Yeah, it's just amazing because... With some of the stuff that John Herdman has said well, afterwards, and we, I won't go too much into that because there's better people out there to talk about that. But the amazing part was always, since then, he's deflected attention away from the players and put it on himself. Nobody is talking about the missed penalty that Alfonso Davies took. 
And I think that's and I think that's some of the mind games that he does. And he started that even before the Belgian game. He's like, well, I'm not Hmm. sure if Alfonso Davies is going to be there. I'm not sure if our goalkeeper is going to be there. And it's like, no, they were there. Yeah, but but and nobody's talking about how uh, you know really nobody's talking about Jonathan David. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because as he said originally, he said, well, the players kind of decide who would take that penalty kick, and that was off VAR. And people were saying that it should have been Jonathan David, I guess, that take that kick. Because unfortunately for Davies, it was a little weak on that kick. But hey, things uh, happen and stuff like that. Because they had so many chances they could have got a goal. And as they say, unless you get in the back of the net, nothing counts. And they can tell us, like even the Belgian coach, a very uh, reputable coach, said that we got our asses whipped and we were lucky to get the win and that the moral victory went to Canada. And guess what you get for moral victories? Nothing. Croatia. (laughs) Well, the thing is, like the old hockey adage, Sometimes a goalie can steal you a game. That's sort of what happened there. Well, uh, world-class goalie uh, there for Belgium, too, as we knew. And You know what Davies probably should have done? He should have done what they did in the friendly. That was their tune-up match. Yeah, Paninke. Paninke. Just see what would have happened. Supposedly, Herdman was... Yeah, Herdman was pissed. Because he's like, I don't want you to do that. Don't do something stupid. It's like, just kick it into the net. You know what I mean? Go for a corner. So I like that. And he did that. And he's just like, oh my God, he did it and got it in. Mm-hmm. But Japan oh. was interesting because that showed some things about us too. And I think that probably geared them up for the mindset. Because the one goal that Japan had against us, and we saw it in Uruguay too, is if we're not on our game and stuff like that, those better teams will show why they're better because they get behind our defense or out of alignment and bam, they just pounce on the stakes and stuff like that. That's sort of the uh, Belgium goal too. And the other thing is the other thing in Japan is they were off. Remember set pieces. So you have to really perform in those corner kicks, those penalty kicks, those free kicks, those set pieces you really need to perform on those and try to get them on the net and get a good uh, head or a good foot on it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's move on quickly because, well, for away from Canada, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure in, in, in a future episode, Hey, we're meeting quota, by the way, this is our second November show. It's been three weeks almost since the first one. So thinking about uh, the world cup, uh, well, or has the World Cup spoiled Blue Lock? I guess. Oh, I was about. Well, I was about to transition into the into the top talk of Japan. Yeah. So Japan beat Germany. What was the score? Two one. Yep, two one. And the funny thing on that game was they were two substitutions for Japan, so they probably might have even played in the Canada friendly uh, a few days before. And both of them played uh, in the German uh, Premier League and stuff like that. The German Bundesliga, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the other funny thing too. And they ended up, and they were, and they were, the, and those two substitutes scored. It, it was a certain irony about that. Okay, yes, the artist of uh, Blue Lock drew uh, something commemorative. Yep, and that yeah, okay. was uh, was it Yusuke Nomura. Yeah, after all watching all this and with all the talk, everyone like Mo mentioned I should check out Blue Lock. So I did this morning. I watched uh, the first episode. What'd you think? 
Okay, can you answer answer this for me? Um, does anybody die? Because I'm, I'm only- I only finished the first episode. I only finished the first episode, but that is the feeling I get. Is is somebody about to die? Or is it just somebody's dreams? I'm only like five episodes in. No one's really died, I guess, so far. They, they, they just saw their dreams die, so their soul was taken instead. Your soul is mine. I'm thinking more like because I've just seen what the synopsis is. And it just makes you think that that could be a possibility because the story is basically... Blue Lock is set in the wake of Japan's defeat in the 2018 World Cup, so they're trying to get ready for this World Cup in 2022. In order to hone the talent that can stand on the world stage, the Japan Football Union gathers 300 of the brightest young strikers and pits them against each other at harsh competitive training camp, basically, to uh, be the best they can be. It's weird because it runs counter to a lot of already runs counter to a lot of sports manga and anime. Yeah, we saw, I think, the one image. I can't remember if it was Mo that posted and stuff like that, where it's like power, friendship, and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want the Mo- ball. Give me the ball. Yeah, I'll score. The fuck you will, right? That was the meme, right? Yeah, but definitely very different than uh, the one that probably a lot of the uh, world and uh, FIFA players remember uh, Captain Subasa, which went around the world and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's the anti-Subasa in many respects. Like, it, that's the impression I'm getting just after one episode. I want to watch a little more. And as I said, it, it does take off, take from the from typical sports-themed uh, titles. It, it's just because you see a lot of designs and artwork that you would recognize with sports anime and sports manga. Like you'll see uh, certain types of imagery, but yeah, it's about to take it uh, topsy turvy. Uh, is it more like Squid Game? Like it's like what is it? Soccer meets Squid Game or Battle Royale? That's that's the feeling I'm getting already. At least, at least probably most closer to the Squid Game uh, equation because something tells me though the challenges will be unique. Am I correct in that thought, uh, Mo? For the most part, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I see it more as a Hunger Games type situation. Okay. Uh, although the end end result is pretty similar, I'd say. I really am kind of speechless after watching that first episode. Like, I, it, it does feel a little bit like how people might have felt after the first episode of Squid Game. That's what I, 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 I felt not quite shock or shock, but not to the same degree, but we're on that track. The type of shock I would have felt with, with the first episode of squid game, I felt something like that with blue lock, you know, but, uh, you know, as I said, you can correct me on this. Yeah. Right. That one is uh, on Crunchyroll, and I think it was pretty uh, apparent, even though it was a strong season this season, I think the reason they wanted it in this season is they wanted to tie into the World Cup, I think. Mm. Well, it's working out. You got people talking, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it has me talking for other reasons, 
because it's more, you know, a bit philosophical. I mean, there's already a bunch of like right, right off the bat, there's some likable characters and some pretty slimy characters right off the bat. I can tell. Although I, I get the feeling roles will change at some point. I mean, there's already like a, a mad scientist type character. You know who I'm already talking about, right, Mo? Yeah, I, I see more as like a L type character via Death Note. Like he's the puppet master seeing everything with a tragic backstory of some kind. Oh, what does he have a tragic tragic backstory? Once again, I, I think that it's like telegraphing that he does that. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe he was a striker and then he got injured or something. It, it seems like he he was a player of some kind, you know. But uh, we'll see certainly possible but certainly not likable right away i mean but like it's it, he laid out his plan so clearly it's like every step after that is kind of on your own yeah i i know he's so concise but oh he's so cold with the way he's doing it right and the way he like plays the mind games with the kids right away but it brings up some a little a few discussions about you know how about star about stars and then teamwork. I, I know Game Rant has an article about it about um, you know it, it, like they had they did an article entitled "Is Having an Ego a Big Deal in Sports?" I guess but, we could ask that of uh, Ronaldo, right? Well, that's what recently. I'm coming down to, right? I mean, Ronaldo was that type, but. At times, he does come across as a bit of a team player. Mm-hmm. And, you know. But after the interview he did, he's no longer on uh, Man U, that's for sure. I'm not well, sure that's they're going to invite him back, right? even though that's, they helped grow him, right? Yeah, it's just, he's so contradicting at times, I guess. Keep in mind, he pulled in the, what is it, the 2016 Euros, he pulled himself out of the final game. And his substitute was the one that scored the winning goal, but he and he but he got to got to hold the trophy aloft, right? Because he was the captain. So maybe there's some contradictions there with uh, when it comes to Ronaldo in in my eyes, but he has a fair number of redeeming values too. Just to put just to put that out there. So he has his ego, but it it doesn't get it doesn't. It, Let's just say I think he can keep it in check quite well. Wow. Recently, maybe not so much. He went kind of scorched earth on uh, Man U. Well, well, that's the Man U thing. Well, putting aside the Man U thing. I mean, nobody's perfect. Or as the popular cliche goes. Well, as I said, we are on the cusp of two key games here um, that have our attention. Canada plays. Japan plays just before that. So we'll uh, keep up with all of that. But be that as it may, when was the last time we were we were around? It's been it's been three weeks since we last talked, right? I think the last time we talked was about the uh, was that Space Eater chat, uh, just as the Anime News Network deal was was announced with Katakawa, and we'll we'll, we'll come back into that a bit later on. So. There are a number of things that did catch our attention. 
I think what Anime NYC happened last week. Correct. Yeah, it happened last weekend. It's kind of interesting because if you look at all the guests, the panels, and how it was promoting stuff like that, it definitely is, uh, I'd say, Anime Expo East, so to speak, and stuff like that. that so, they've developed for it. You know what I mean? As a fall version of that. So it very much isn't it? Like, it's become the, uh, a big one. Yeah, and I guess it's because, as you said, the industry obviously has grown and obviously during the pandemic more people were watching anime and different shows and manga and things like that so that probably helped them too as well because i remember in the aughts like 20 years ago and for a long time all those conventions in that area were outside of new york city they weren't there they were in new jersey connecticut or somewhere else but now i guess they're able to get enough people to meet that burden of like renting the convention center and doing a convention in New York city. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you got, and you have better chances at sponsorship. R- correct me about, uh, about anime NYC's, uh, like who the, some of the people behind it, they're also behind the comic convention there too, right? I believe right. so. I believe that they're behind, uh, I'm not sure if they're tied into the one we talked about in October, that comic convention. New York City Comic Con, is that yep. what it's called? Uh, yeah, New York City Comic Con, or if it was another one, but they could. there could be a tie-in possibly. But I know, obviously, um, Anime NYC, uh, Anime News Network, is, they've sponsored each other on a few things and stuff like that. So obviously, they started to get mindshare, and they've had enough, and obviously... They brought the guests, so if you bring the guests and you bring the premieres of different shows people are looking forward to, right, they will come, and a lot of them came. Mm -hmm. Because I look, for example, some of the things they talked about, they had Trigun Stampede panel, because that's premiering uh, next season, and that probably had a lot of people hyped. They had Trigger, I believe, there. They had George Wada there talking about Spy Family. They had premieres like um, Tomo-chan is a girl, which is going to be on Crunchyroll next season. Don't toy with me, Miss Nagato season two. They had that premiere there that starts next season, a couple episodes. So that tells you how far ahead they're making these episodes. They did uh, Lupin Zero, uh, and it's going to be on the web in that. It's going to start next month uh, on High Dive. So it's like, you know how I remember in the 90s, the early 90s, they had like kids versions of uh, your heroes like James Bond Jr., Muppets Jr., Lo- uh, like uh, Looney Tunes, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, and things like that. So it's kind of like Young Lupin in the uh, 60s and that. Wow. And the other one was they had uh, the premiere of Laid Back Camp Movie, which is now on Crunchyroll. They put that up later on, which was interesting because a lot of their other movies... They've uh, not just put it up, they've sent it to theaters. So that was kind of interesting because okay. I know Quintuplets is theirs and they're putting that in theaters and Cineplex and that in the coming weeks. And then uh, we also have Evangelion, I know, too, coming up next month, too. The last Lots movie. of things uh, going up. Uh, I, well, yeah, I, I know that there's a limited theatrical run of the of the Eva movie. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, is it, is it the is it the recent ones or is it? Uh, no, it's the final movie, the final rebuild. Oh movie. yeah, yeah. Oh, so remember, uh, a lot of people may have, and it seems like a lot of people have been buying tickets because the theaters are filling up. If any of us want to go and 
check it out and stuff like that. So people, even if I guess they've watched it on Amazon, they still want to uh, check it out. And I'm sure they'll buy the Blu-ray uh, next year when it pops up. Well, yeah. I mean, are you interested in going to that, Mo? A hundred percent, yes. Because I know you'll have the time. I won't. <laughs> My time will be up. <laughs> Well, okay, I just looked, uh, I did look up uh, Anime NYC's uh, organizer. Okay, the organizer Left Field Media was founded by the creators of New York's, of uh, the New York Comic Con, but they aren't related because another, um, another company runs. Uh, and I think uh, it's, it's the major, it's one of those major convention uh, runners and stuff like that. I forget their name though. Read Exhibitions. Yep. Read Exhibitions. That's the one. Or and Read they, Pop more specifically. Read Pop. And they run a lot of different conventions across the US and Canada and stuff like that. And even in Europe, I believe. They do have like a, a New York an, uh, anime festival within New York Comic Con. So. And that's what yeah. I was thinking. Like they had done that, and then they kind of merged them together. That's why I talked to you. Um, yeah, it was, about a how bit, it like, kind of felt like uh, Fan Expo, how they kind of started with these different tracks, and then it mm -hmm. merged into one. You as know a, what I as mean? As a branding, yeah, as a brand, as a branding, the New York Anime Festival or the Big Anime or the Big Apple Anime Fest or whatever whatever the branding was that was that was a, th a thing within New York Comic Con but then Anime NYC ended up you know is still coming out from uh from the creators of from the founders of New York Comic Con and is a very much a separate thing now mhm mm but anyway i think we have a new member of the team uh, up don't we uh, mike well, now if it's worth something kevin First of all, let me, first of all, let me clap you in. <laughs> okay, so should we recap where we are with Kevin? Uh, where, what we've already talked about, so Kevin can quickly get up to speed. I already talked World Cup, and we're just starting Anime NYC, so we'll talk maybe a bit about some anime and manga. Okay, good. So that caught our attention. Okay. Okay, so the stuff. Yeah, you got over the part that I don't care about. That's good. Well, well, we're going yeah, to yeah. start because we have to ask you an important World Cup question. Yes, I know that Canada is in the World Cup. That's all that really matters to me. No, I was going to ask you if Cotter can get one BTS uh, member for the opening ceremonies. Can we get the full band for 2026 with Mexico, U.S., Canada? Well, that's assuming they still want to perform as a group by then. But <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they're all signed. They've all been re-signed. Yeah, they're just uh, taking a break right now and doing some solo projects. Well, and then they have to start their military service as well because they couldn't avoid that forever. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if yeah. they'd done it before, but yeah, I guess you're right. Nope, none of them have. So uh, one of them is starting uh, next month as of this recording. Could be this month if this comes out in December. Okay. Okay, so let's... Are we going to clap back in... Uh... To talk about NYC uh, announcement. Yeah, let's, uh, we can reel back. Okay, so Kevin, we're so on the topic of any, uh, anime NYC. Uh, we just went through some of the basics. What caught your attention from NYC? Like any any gamut of stuff, like uh, releases. Some what what some of the publishers have said. Oh, Dark Horse licensed Innocent, and that was. 
the big manga announcement. I think in my eyes, though, there is a question mark with that because it was split between two magazines. So they have the first Innocent with nine volumes and then Innocent Rouge, which finishes up the story over 12 volumes. So we're not sure if they got all of it. And it's going to be omnibus and start end of next year, 2023, three and one. So hopefully uh, we'll at least have three volumes. So Innocent will be done, but hopefully they get the rest of Innocent Rouge, which would mean um, four more volumes, right? I'm assuming it's the first series because Dark Horse couldn't even be asked to release Blood Blocking Battlefront back to back. So I'm only assuming first series. Plus, Dark Horse has a penchant of not always going through the publisher, but by going through the artist directly. Because is that good or bad? It's a little known secret that you can technically go that way. It's just that it's one of the more uncommon ways to go about a license. And it usually isn't always a thing. Because I believe with uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront, they did go through Nightow directly. That's the rumor I recall hearing back in the day. Because that is a Shueisha title, if I'm not mistaken. And that one was similar <clears throat> to this, where Trigun, they had the two volumes, but then Maxim was when they switched to a different magazine. Yes. And I vaguely recall reading how when they initially had the rights to all of Clamp's works, they went through Clamp directly as well. Yeah, no, I remember that too. Like The interesting thing on Trigun is... They've been doing some deluxe editions. I'm surprised they didn't announce that they were maybe going to try and do a deluxe edition of Trigun, especially with the new series coming out in the next season in January. I have a feeling that will happen next year. That's why I got rid of all my Trigun manga when I could. Yeah, I know. Back into the... Because like, Trigun's uh... going for stupid money online right now. <laughs> but there was definitely a lot of... Uh, isekai and a lot of different uh stuff announced also by yen press i know kodansha did some stuff uh later in the week i guess another interesting thing is higurashi when they cry uh go they're gonna release that uh manga based on the new higurashi series which i guess we're not surprised yes. since we know uh, there is some love for that from kurt hasler yep. and so loves when they cry yeah and then the other thing that caught my attention, which I have to get because it's uh, Kaoru Mori, is they're having a sketch uh, collection called Scribbles from her coming next year, which would be nice to have. Oh my god, Yen Press, please reprint anything and something. Oh my god. So well, the other thing I would love them to do is Shirley. If they could uh, get Shirley back in print too. Right, too. So, quick story. I lost my copy of anything and something at Anime North because ADHD brain here left it on a chair and just forgot about it. And that book goes for over a hundred bucks now. Really? So that one thing on my shelf. Wow, that's interesting to know. And the silly thing was was because when I was reading it, I took the slipcover off. 
Oh man! So I I had the slip cover, but then just lost the book itself. Uh, last year, I actually sent the slip cover to somebody who needed it. The collector in you. Like I didn't sell. I just like gave it to them for free because I was like, "Well, you you have more of a use for it than I do." This stage, yeah, yeah, because all those ones they did of her, they did in very nice hardcover and stuff like that. Oh, actually, Emma just got reprinted recently too. Yeah, like that. The only reason I got that again from them is because they had the reversible slip covers and stuff like that, and it was really quality. Yes. I, I kind of regret selling my CMX set. Like, I have the hardcover set now, but I actually don't think I would have minded owning both. The other interesting thing is, out of the Kodansha licenses they announced on Thursday, which was interesting, is them announcing, and it probably makes sense because Vinland Saga Season 2 is coming out uh, basically next season in January, and they're going to redo, do another edition of Vinland Saga and next year start, and it's going to be a three-in-one omnibus this time, hardcover and stuff like that, which is kind of funny considering how hard we had to fight just to keep them going on a hardcover one of a two-in-one omnibus. Yeah, well, eventually, they, eventually Ben Applegate stopped threatening the fan base because the fan base pulled through in the end, but... And plus, they caught up with Japan, so like you get a new book like every year and a half and change now. Well, the next one's coming the end of this month, so it's kind of a year, year and a half, because they have to get two and one, right? Exactly. And they're on basically the final arc. Oh, I didn't know it was and in the, the last arc. And then the one they're doing in the anime for season two is basically going into the second arc. So the first arc was the first anime. Now they're going into the second arc uh, in Denmark, uh, where it's basically instead of Vinland, farmland. Yes. And basically, actually, they Kodansha just announced new licenses today. Interestingly enough. Okay, so what caught your attention there? Well, they licensed Origin by Boichi. Uh, People who know Boichi will know that he created Dr. Stone. That's his most prolific uh, title to date. And uh, people may know him for Rocky as well, which I believe, I think One Piece put that out. It was one of the smaller pubs that put that out, but that, that one's like pretty hard to find now. And I think he did Sunken Rock too, but I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's... I can't always keep up. That's the problem for me. We'll probably oh, talk about uh, do such rock. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. Okay. But there was a lot of stuff also from uh, Jay Null as well, but we'll talk about them later. But on the anime side, there were actually a few things too. I know, like they had the one that was the longest, I think, license that were like, when was it going to come over? And it was actually one anime north. Um, sponsor is a movie at the JCC that's how I actually saw it was Giovanni's uh, Island finally G-Kids decide to license it and are going to get it out next year and that's the one about the Kirel Islands and stuff like that and it starts out basically um, this Russian girl and Japanese guy meeting each other 
after 80 years and stuff to like that, but it's actually her daughter and stuff like that you find out at the end. But it's basically after World War II and what happened in that turbulent times up in the Kirill Islands when basically Stalin's uh, Navy and that comes onto the islands and basically they have to deal with the after effects and stuff like that. And there's still disputed islands to this day. That's why it's interesting mm. the movie came about too. Mm. I'd say in terms of the Yen Press stuff, other things that caught my attention was the uh, Aparirandman manga. Mm. Probably because I guess the anime was good enough for people to uh, give that some consideration. I remember yes. being. I remember the anime being well received for that okay. one. Okay. Yeah, looks yeah, like organized yeah. manga too. Mm-hmm. As I said, it's just this is these are titles. I I admit I don't I I'm not as familiar with right now, right? I I mean I, I I look over this list of some of the stuff that some of the news that came out and a I lot of some, it was announcing stuff for. Uh, 2023 for the winter season there to start off because I know High Dive uh, Sentai was announcing stuff on that end. I think Oshinoko. The, thing, yep. Oshinoko. the other big thing was um, in regards to um, Anime Limited because they had a panel and they said we're going to talk about North American stuff and that's a big thing because they're a UK company and they usually distribute for the UK and Europe. And the last time we heard from them, remember, they had Bartender and they had uh, the other Netflix uh, series. I uh, remember we had talked about long before, but they announced uh, some anime. And it was interesting because they were all Crunchyroll series. Yeah, which is I, interesting. I so maybe they're still going to get some series that because they have a lot of series they go through every season and dubbing and doing things like that. So it'd be tough to release them all. So maybe they're still going to get some stuff through maybe Sentai or uh, Discotech and stuff like that, even though they've taken back stuff like Ascendance to a Bookworm. Because for Collector's Edition Blu-ray for next year, um, Anime Limited, Andrew Partridge said they're going to do To the Abandoned Sacred Beast, Tony Kawa, Over the Moon for You, Tokyo Marvel Chocolate. And then a place further than the universe, and people. The middle with... two I've constantly mentioned, and I like know a lot of people also mention a place further in the universe. And supposedly they said they're going to dub it and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if Crunchyroll is working with Anime Limited to do that, but they've already announced a dub cast of that'll be dubbed too, which is kind of a nice plus. And then they mentioned stuff that they're going to bring their final stuff to uh, North America as well. But they also mentioned. Yes, Macross Plus, we will get it to you guys in 2023 in a collector's edition as well, because we knew that one was coming at least. It was just the surprise of the Crunchyroll titles. At the very least, a soundtrack was announced from Macross Plus. Correct. And that was a vinyl uh, soundtrack, I believe, too. Mm -hmm. Kevin? Oh, no, I was just ooing at the Macross Plus. See, as I said, though, two titles that caught my attention in all those announcements is to- uh, Tony Kawa and Tokyo Marble Chocolate, and I've mentioned it before. Yeah, I mean, I've watched the Moon's a lot of fun. I've read some of the manga. Huh? Fly Me to the Moon is a lot of fun. It's that's mm-hmm. that's oh, yeah, Tokyo yeah. Kawa. Yeah, yeah. Though that was that that that's a cute one. It's and the, then, well, oh, I was just and the to- it's it's the successful Kenjiro Hata 
oh. romantic comedy. <laughs> One way to put it. Because uh, we're still slowly getting two volumes a year for High to the Combat Butler. <sighs> and sometimes yeah, I tried to release all of that, and I'm not sure how that did for the anime. Yeah, and then Tokyo Marble Chocolate, I, you know, I, I, I already kind of mentioned that already, too, I think. So okay, the other so last thing is probably uh, J Novel Club. They had a lot of interesting things uh, that they announced. Like they said, uh, their new announcements for light novels and manga, which they released same day. More isekai. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of isekai. And more isekai. And, and then more the other isekai. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing was. I think since we know they're part of, and for Sam Panansky, they are part of Katakawa and stuff like that now, and a part of whatever Katakawa World uh, Entertainment, whatever we're calling them now, which includes KWE. Hmm? Yeah, we go with the, I think most people refer to it by its acronym, KWE. Well, I guess they're finally getting some of that mojo and stuff like that because two things came out of that. They're going to be doing audiobooks, which uh, Yen Press has been doing and stuff like that. And so they're going to some of their other ones they're doing by the grace of the gods and a few others. But the interesting part of the nine titles they announced, I believe, was the one that I didn't see there. And that was Ascendance of a Bookworm. I feel that one they have to do at some point because that's their biggest title. And they've basically released anything that they can get of Bookworm they release and they've been printing it and they've been going at a crazy schedule because that one's over 30 volumes now. And I, oh, wow. and so that's why it probably would be a big investment as an audio novel, because it's a lot of volumes to do. Oh, I didn't know it was that long. Damn. Yeah. Because it's five parts and part one is three volumes. Part two is four volumes. Part three is five volumes. Part four is nine volumes. They just finished that. Part five is ongoing at the moment, and they're going to have volume 11 or 10. I think it's 11 out next month. And in the pre-publish for Ascendance of a Bookworm, they're on volume two of part five and stuff like that right oh. now. But in the uh, physical books, they're up to part four, volume uh, three. And then uh, for the digital stuff, uh, because they do pre-pub, then a month later, they do um, ebook version. Then later, if you're lucky, you might get um, physical. But the ebook version, I think this month for coming up in December, they're going to have part one, uh, sorry, part five, volume one uh, coming out and stuff like that. But it, it seems like when I go on there and I read that one, their forms in that, they're always buzzing around Bookworm and they have like this buzz. And so, as they said, that's what they want to generate with their business and that title kind of is the quintessential thing of what they're trying to do. So it's good to see them uh, expanding on that. And then the other thing is um, for some of their titles, because they're doing a print uh, publishing partnership with Yen Press for a uh, few yeah. of their uh, things. And they said they're doing that for Hell Mode, the Misfit uh, of Demon uh, King Academy. My instant death ability, so many isekai ones. And so we see four there already. They'll probably do more, but I guess they have enough at the back end where it's like, hey, we can do some prints for you guys and stuff like that. Titles they might, might not do on their own because 
obviously uh, they if you look actually at j novel club it's interesting all their titles are printed in korea and yen press i believe is printing in the u.s now at the moment from what i've seen a lot of their titles so i guess that'll help them out to get a few other titles they never usually would and it kind of allows them to do a lot more now it's interesting because before they started printing anything themselves they had to ramp up and so they had a partnership with seven seas remember before and did yeah. a few light novels with them and there are some that are ongoing like realist hero and stuff like that well yeah that, but uh but the purchase of katakawa kind of changes that dynamic right yeah it, it allowed them obviously it helps them with resources to expand uh, doing physical and stuff like that but then I forgot, I'm like, well, they could also say, hey, we'll do our same thing, but we want to do these other ones. We can't get it into our schedule ourselves. Do you guys have the ability to put this in a run with your uh, printer and stuff like that? And I guess that's an ability they can do or help them to get uh, find the people to do audio novels, because that is a time intensive investment, too. Yeah, basically drawn on larger resources, I guess, right? Mm hmm. Possibly. And uh, oh, okay. I got to hand it to Sam Finansky because basically like a lot of them, he was using other people's money, like anime souls. They had a lot of the Japanese companies <laughs> and stuff like that. And this oh, time, God. as he said, this time, as he said, he, he had to use his own. Gonna... So, he, he's definitely worked with a little and kind of grown and moonshot it, so to speak, saying we can release light novels in a model similar to Crunchyroll and stuff like that. And then get you um, an ebook version and stuff like that. And as they grew and grew, they were able to do print publishing and stuff like that and go from there and stuff like that. So it's been interesting to see them grow. Yeah. Well, I mean. And to not see anyone try to go that route of a Crunchyroll model, maybe for manga or things like that. We've seen bits and pieces, but never a full on uh, take on it. Well. With some like, professional translation, so to speak, is some. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I always made that joke that we were not at that point uh, about not being there at that point, and I don't know the, how much do we want something like that. Maybe we do. I, I mean, um, I'll also be honest. Uh, like one of the things that I've been watching in the last three weeks, or at least something I've watched in the last three weeks. I get, I kind of just decided to give a couple episodes of my stepmom's daughter is my ex a watch, right? And obviously that's based on a on one of those light novels that J Novel has. Correct. Yeah, they had got it going before the anime premiere, but they knew it was coming up and stuff like that. And some of the ones that do premieres in anime when they do what they call a catch-up month. It's when they have certain series they pick that you can read all of the stuff for free and stuff like that if you're at general mm -hmm. membership uh, thing. And they did that for uh, my uh, stepsisters, my ex and stuff like that. And that one's uh, an interesting series to read. And I think you said the same for the anime and you saw some of what came from the light novel where it kind of looks at the perspective from both of them. And stuff like that. And sometimes it's the same thing, but from the opposite person's point of view. It's either the stepbrother or the stepsister. Well, maybe it's like on the top, I, 
I mentioned, we joked about Tokyo Marble Chocolate just now, a few minutes ago, and Tokyo Marble Chocolate was sort of that. Uh, he said the perspectives are from the guy and the girl. And this, I guess, could go that way, but I may actually enjoy this one. But it, ha- it also had me thinking a little bit about the media mix, a little, like, a little bit more than I would have in the past. So um, a quick yes or no with you guys. And I, let me just uh, look for the wording as I as I said it as I wrote it down. Uh, yes or no? Um, anime has become more of a driver to promote the rest of the physical parts of the media mix, and has is becoming less and less of an actual product within the media mix itself. Did that sound wordy to you? What? Just a little wordy. A little wordy? Okay, l- let me put it this way. In our fandom's own media mix, anime was a thing. Anime was part of that mix. It was something tangible. It was something physical. I.e. home video, a DVD, a disc, something. And then, like, that's a fairly, like, it, it was cyclical. But, it w- but in the last 20 years, it's been a thing. It's becoming less and less a thing these days. Uh, probably more to even bigger collectors, but it's not as commonplace, the DVD or the Blu-ray anymore. So the purpose of the anime part in this media mix is changing a little bit. It's like, it's always been an advertiser, like in many respects means to market the other parts of the media mix, whether it's the manga, uh, a video game as um, Cyberpunk Edge Runners is, because we kind of talked about that. Little um, other merchandise, figures, books, uh, art books, light novels. So there's a, and, and with all this talk about there being less and less production on the anime side, we had that discussion with uh, Netflix some weeks back, them scaling back on their, on some of their anime production. And it might be a harbinger of some things to come. So, the purpose of the of something like mo- uh, of moving pictures, you might might have to be rethought a little bit more. It can't go through the whole story, but it might make you see enough of the story to really want you to pursue it in the other parts of the media mix. Like it's clear we're not going to get the whole story. Going back to uh, my stepmom's daughter. But we'll know enough to know we want to know more. Or whether or not we would want to know more. Maybe even a more stark example is, uh, is to me, Cardcaptor Sakura Clear Card. That ended, on, that ended without a resolution. But that story had been ongoing at that point. Wait, it ended without a resolution? Well, the, um, the anime... Oh, okay. That saves me from going the clamp rant. Yeah. No, no. It, it ended without a res. Like, that's just the, the nature of the anime. So that's all. So, I mean, the use of, the, uh, of anime is, uh, might be a little bit more different now. I mean, it's always diverted in some form away from, from the previous work. Usually, it, usually the manga. It's diverted in some form. 
but how it ends up going now, it, it could change. That's, that's what it had me thinking a little bit as I, as I go through this. At least uh, maybe more so than I had in the past. But that's, that's where I was. So going back to the question, yes or no? Anime is less, uh, is less, less a product in and of itself and more a means to drive the rest of the products. Depends on the series and uh, what they're trying to promote at that point in time and stuff like that. Because things can change, as we know. But if it's a bigger series, sometimes they'll put a lot more effort and they'll be maybe doing a more complete uh, adaptation compared to other ones where they're just winging through it and maybe doing just one series. And then it gives a little boom to other parts, as you said, of the media mix. So the short answer is depends. Depends on the IP probably. Right? And sometimes, sometimes it surprises you. Like when I'd say that's a little bit of a surprise they're still going on with, and I mentioned it as one of the ones they had a premieres of at Anime NYC is laid back camp and stuff like that. So laid back camp has two seasons so far. Next year they're gonna have a third season. And they just premiered um, the laid-back camp movie in Japan, and they had it at Anime NYC as a premiere, and then added it to actually Crunchyroll themselves this Thursday, which is a surprise because usually they'll try to do a theatrical. But that one, the movie of laid-back camp, has nothing to do with anything in the manga. It's actually its own thing within the universe. Instead of taking place where it is in the current timeline, when they're in high school and enjoying camping and stuff like that, the movie actually takes place in the future when they're adults in their twenties and stuff like that. And still love of camping and them coming together to start like a camp uh, ground and stuff like that. And uh, get that done, which was an interesting experience and stuff like that. And still a great slice of life experience, but interesting because it was his own thing within the universe that had never been told, obviously. It probably won't be told in the manga. So it depends. Like mm-hmm. the approach will always be different. Mm-hmm. It should be like it, it just depends how you want to approach it. So yeah, but I thought I'd bring that up anyway. But uh, Jay Novel Club. See, the thing is, after watching a couple episodes, I, I I am a little curious about the the light novel just a little bit right now. But maybe I want to finish the series before I. Uh, want to add something else to the pile of what I want to watch or read or play. I think it was interesting. They kind of mixed it up a bit in the anime, but they kept it to what it was for what, what was happening in the novel and stuff like that and how they put the sister and the brother uh, against each other and how they care about each other and the miscommunications between both of them, so to speak. Mm. You've read, you've read, uh, you've watched the anime and you've read it and you've read it, right? Correct. Yeah. I read the pre-pub and stuff like that. And usually the pre-pub is uh, generally uh, what you're going to get in the uh, printed and the um, ebook version. But obviously there's extra editing because people will read and they may find mistakes. So before it goes to ebook or to print, there's some extra editorial uh, look over. 
and sometimes there may be like extra four comma monger little extras that they may not include in the pre-pub and stuff like that like maybe author's notes or something like that mm-hmm. well as i said it has me curious so i'll see how i feel and then when i'm done maybe we'll have this discussion again yeah and i know okay. that on the other part of katakawa i know they had an interview with uh chris mcdonald of course so. See, see, couldn't you tell Kevin that um, that James and I were talking earlier today? <laughs> yes, we did. This is the order we went went with. Okay, so let's let's dive briefly into the Chris McDonald interview. Yeah, as I said, like there wasn't much surprise. So I guess what he did is they had an idea from uh, the comments in the forums and other places about what people were worried about. Yeah, and let's uh, let's uh, preface this because I think not 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 everybody listening will know the will recognize the name Christopher McDonald. He's the uh, he's the head of ANN, Anime News Networks, the CEO and publisher and owner. Um, yeah, he's the man. He's the man behind it. And so now he's a minority owner along with Bandai Namco, and Katakawa owns the uh, bulk. Uh, well, if the deal obviously goes through uh, at the end of the year, which we assume it will. What stuck that? What stuck out to you from what he said? I think most of it is what because remember we were talking about what they were saying then, right? And most of it was the same line of thinking that we have had owners uh, before, like Bandai Namco, and we have made sure people understand. Hey, we are uh, putting uh, notices at the bottom, disclosures at the bottom of our articles. Now, people took them to task. Uh, last weekend at the start because there wasn't um, anything in regards to the first few Katakawa things, but then that changes they went during the weekend, so I think they were kind of getting their feet under them, so to speak. Basically Uh, via disclaimer. Yep, and then I think the thing we looked at, as we said, Mike, that was interesting is they talked about uh, they are going to invest in development and other things that they were waiting for get the subscription system figured out to get out of beta finally they basically said that um they're still going to do advertorials and all this other things and help uh, figure out the encyclopedia and stuff like that in regards to uh the fact they made an agreement we'll see how that goes that for the first three years no profit's going to be taken out uh, of ann and that if there is any it'll go and be reinvested into uh, the website to make it better and stuff like that but the other thing we saw that people i guess in the comments were questioning was in regards to a comment where he's the question was what if any supervision does Katakawa have in regards to Anne's published content? And the first two sentences raised a few eyebrows and they were a few policies like how we handle copyrights have been put into place. Unfortunately, we are being asked to abide by Japanese copyright norms. Other than this, neither Katakawa nor KWE nor the business side of the new company have any input into what we write. And it says, as Anne's publisher, I am guaranteed full editorial independence and all the editors will report to me and only me. And that's all great, but it's intriguing in regards to image copyrights and abiding by Japanese copyright norms. Now, they don't have a lot of images all the time in reviews and in their stories and things like that. 
And obviously, Kadokawa is a big company, so obviously for them, they're probably going to let them use their images, whatever they want. But it makes you wonder about other things. Well, when, when it comes to non-Kadokawa properties, right? Mm-hmm. In regards to what images are allowed, I think most images you use, use normally, they probably would be allowed to use because if they're using something like a teaser from YouTube, or if they're using uh, the first promotional images, which a lot of them send out, right? In a press release, they would probably be fine using those. Yeah. I mean, it's, once again, part of that whole kicking and screaming thing to me. Right? And that might, like, I think uh, in some respects, there's going to be, it could be trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. That's the phrase, I think, as the cliche goes. It could be that. I mean, it just doesn't... I, I, you said it would raise a few eyebrows, probably cause a little bit of upset. I, uh, right now, okay. I don't think it's going to amount to anything in the end, but obviously <laughs> people are picking over everything, obviously, since it's still a recent story, right? Yeah. Wow. It, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I, the fact people want to... Cool. It's just that, yeah, I don't see it amounting to the greatest amount. We are, I mean, we, we every things are change are is a constantly evolving thing. When I think of this story, right, when I thought of that statement, I thought about I'm going to go back the better part of twenty years for a couple minutes here again, and and just use the example of websites related to Iron Chef at its peak in North America. So this was like before the original run of the series ended in the late 90s. And upshot of it was, there was a fan site dedicated to the show. And it used images from the actual series. And Fuji Network sent a cease and desist, and the website went down for a little while. And then a month or so later, the website came back up. They explained what happened. They said, we don't have the permission to, uh, to actually use Fuji's uh, images, but we're going to supplement it with images that are known to be more public and that we won't have problems with. So when they're talking about some of the personalities on it, they won't use pictures of them that existed within the TV show itself but they'll probably uh, use a public image that they that from another website or article out there. And it was it sounded like a really tedious thing for the for the people who ran that website to have done. Just to put the context there. But that's what it was at the time and I'm not totally sure we'd be at that point now. I think times have changed. Well, time, or as the cliche goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So, but I'm, but I'm just not totally sure this will be a uh, the biggest issue anyway. So let's uh, let's go from there. Okay. Well, anything else that stuck out or I don't know. It's just, well, it, I guess the, we could talk funny, Mike, about the fact that 
uh, you said cyberpunk, right? And we think about releasing a broken game. And then last week uh, on the Friday, basically uh, CD Red, Nintendo, Game Freak, and Pokemon Company decided to say we can do better. And released uh, Pokemon Violet and Pokemon uh, the other version. And basically uh, it was broken beyond belief, they said, for... uh, that Pokemon game, which is kind of interesting in itself, and it sold over 10 million, which is kind of crazy. It makes you wonder about uh, the release of certain uh, games and things like that going forward. No, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, you got the Pokemon games, I'm guessing. No, I've actually not played any Pokemon games and stuff like that. I've watched the series and read the manga and different other parts of the media mix, but not the Pokemon games. And it was, so that's why it's kind of interesting because they were always on low tech um, hardware and stuff like that. And this Pokemon game for Violet and the other version, um, they for Game Freak and all of them, it's an open world and it's the first one of that. But even when you look at the visuals and the terrible frame rate, like you'll see things like they talk about one thing a windmill that's running at 30 frames per second when you're right there. But then you go further away from it, and that's like two frames per second. You have different things popping in and out of the world at crazy different times. But it's crazy that the Pokemon company should have, and even maybe Nintendo should have, put on the brakes because they did the remakes of Diamond and Pearl last year. Then they did Pokemon Arceus at the beginning of this year. And now they did the two new games. Just now, that sold 10 million, which is crazy. Uh, the power of a popular franchise, even though people were complaining about these bugs, many of which may never be fixed and stuff like that. But they still those got their older, money. Uh, civilians are built differently. They just walk through all those attacks like it's nothing. But but it's funny because they showed, and it's not that the it's not power. The switch hardware is power not powerful enough. Like. They definitely could have optimized and made this game to run on the Switch better. And people have shown other games, even Breath of the Wild at as a launch title, could prove this fact and stuff like that. And one of the things is just they're releasing almost one game a year and they have a small staff for Game Freak and stuff to make all this stuff. So that's one thing. And they don't have, like, maybe Nintendo could have helped them out because Nintendo now in their HD development all the studios are helping just to get these games out the door. Like Monolith helped on Breath of the Wild and some other uh, titles, and so did other Nintendo studios to get some of their first-party titles out the door in a well-optimized environment. Whereas Game Freak, I think they probably may have some help, but not as enough resources to get this. Like People were looking at and saying, it's crazy the amount of bugs They'll probably fix some of them, but they have a lot that probably will never be fixed. I guess they'll just be canon, right? Mm. Can't say I know. It blows my mind how this can even happen. Because this is fucking Pokemon, man. Like, it's a mainline Pokemon game, no less. Yeah, it's the newest mainline generation. (laughs) How do you not have the support to deal with this 
Yeah, with all the money from merchandising and all this stuff, you think they would have beefed up, right? Or maybe reached out to some of those Nintendo studios or something. But it's like, no, they just chugged along and said, this is fine. And somehow they still got the sales. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next time. Will people think twice or not? And like, they don't this, is not, this is not like a niche RPG game like Octopath Traveler. This is fucking Pokemon. This is Nintendo's second best-selling franchise. How do you... How do you as a company let this happen? I guess it's the first statement. And you're telling me they can't patch it later? Like, that's what I don't understand. I was assuming they would just patch it up eventually. I think there's so much going on in there that they can probably, it's like they're going to be patching certain things, but other things just may not work out the way we hope, right? And like the sucker I am, I still bought them because I always buy both. Well, the good thing is I told Mike, Kevin, is that I have not played any Pokemon games, so I didn't get either. And I just got to watch as people were just flabbergasted. To say like, the least, it's, it's, they pretty were playing it's pretty funny to see. I won't lie. Like, I m- some of my friends have encountered this stuff already because they played day one. I, I have them, but I haven't played it yet because I'm still trying to uh, finish SMT5. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was Scarlet <sighs> and Violet. Yeah, that's what it, yeah, it was. I just feel like back in the day, this was never much of an issue because. The game was already a complete product. And yes, it did help that they usually had two years to make a game instead of one, from the looks of it. And they were doing multiple games because they had the remakes last year for Pearl and Diamond, I believe it was. That wasn't Jungle Freak, was it? I thought it. they were helping on that. And then they also had Arceus, remember, at the beginning of this year, too. So they oh, had a lot Arceus of actually Game Freak? Oh... I think they had some input and stuff in that one too. Like mm-hmm. I, I vaguely recall the the Diamond and Pearl remix not being like all Game Freak, or it may not even been Game Freak at all involved with that. But I, I feel like wrong. there was shifting of resources. You know what I mean? As they were going game to game, when they because they are still smaller than a lot of the other studios out there for Game Freak. And I understand that, you know, it's no longer on a handheld. So the amount of resources needed to make these games is a lot more intensive now. And that's why you would think Pokemon Company and Nintendo would have beefed them up and stuff like that. They said, okay, we want to make this even better than it's ever been, right? Yeah, like this is not Detective Pikachu. This is not like... The Pokemon Warlord game, which I kind of regret not buying. This is not Pokemon Snap. This is not this is Pokemon Training Card game. This is mainline main Pokemon line. series. This is the main line, right? Yeah, it's meant to be mainline. Hmm. I don't know what Come to say. On. I mean, I, I, and they got and they got more sales than ever before. So it's like, yeah, because oh. we're suckers. Branding, we're suckers. We're too devoted. I say that as a Pokemon fan. It is my favorite franchise. 
Been buying there, this there. shit since I was ten. Yeah. There, there. This is why, like, the best game is still Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Okay, I'm just ranting now. Yes. Okay. Well. Uh, well, I won't just. I'm not gonna, you know, try and disagree because, as I said, I can't say I know because I've never played played Pokemon. I know I respect the franchise, and I'm paying ninety bucks for this fucking game now. Or if you buy it at Shoppers during twenty times the points, you get it's basically like fifty five bucks when you get the points back. But I digress. It's like the games are no longer fifty five bucks; they're ninety bucks, and now we're getting like all this stuff happening. Ugh. Yeah, I know it's ninety with the tax and that because it's like what seventy nine ninety nine uh, for each game. Yes, depending on what province you live, it's it's cheaper. Yes, or more expensive if it's Quebec. Yeah, it's not all well. I mean, everything's going up anyway. Look for a sale. It's Black Friday. Cyber well, Monday's coming. Don't up. go on sale, Mike. Uh, sometimes mainline Pokemon games do not go on sale. I was going to say, most Nintendo games do not uh, they, they, go on sale. They, yeah, they, well, sometimes they know that what they can get away with. Well, Smash finally went on sale. At BGP. The problem, though... First time it went on sale. Oh, I have to double check. Well, Nintendo thing. So I, Some of I the Nintendo any- titles did go on sale. The only thing that irritates me is some of those titles that were from earlier on, like Breath of the Wild, stuff like that. They're, that isn't the lowest price they've ever been because they've raised the sale prices. It used to be forty nine ninety nine yep. before tax, and the last two or three years they raised it up to fifty four ninety nine because of yep. exchange and all that stuff, which kind of yep. irritates me a bit. I bought my Breath of the Wild at sixty, actually. I recall. Anyway, well, maybe I'll talk about my video game stuff another time. I'm debating we should get Bravely Default 2, actually, because that's on sale, yeah. too. Well, as I said, lots of sales going around. I'm, de- I'm debating uh, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, to be honest. But As I told you, it's a good game. It's Well, some people did enjoy it. It was a little too slow for them, but I thought it was an interesting adventure game. I still got a lot to go through through it. And then the other thing is there's a lot of, you can tell like they recreate Tokyo, a lot of Japanese aesthetics in there and a lot of stuff into the yokai and stuff like that. If you read their profiles and things like that, I guess you could almost say it's the mature yokai watch. <laughs> oh, oh, I bought 13 Sentinels actually. Oh, there you go. Cause that was 40 bucks on sale for the switch. Oh, there's, there's sales going on. So hey. just. Oh, did you buy that one, James? Which you have that? Which game? Uh, Thirteen Sentinels. So I have not bought it on either PS4 or Switch. I I know everyone's been telling me to go and get it. It's yeah, I've got so many things on my plate, and so one day I will get it. It's going to go on a sale again and again because it's Atlas and Sega. So I'm sure it'll be at a decent price at some point. It's not going to go out. Stock. See, I was hoping it's not. Uh, how do I put this? Like, it, it depends for me. Sometimes I wait a while, but then you'll have cases like AI the Somnium Files where it did just go to print and then, like. Well, it- that one I did end up deciding. Like, the first one, they must have had tons because I got the special edition at the price of standard edition should have been at. 
which is great. But then, as you said, the second one went really quick. But I found it. They put it on sale on EB Games GameStop, I think, at some point a couple of months ago. And so I got it for $49.99. Oh, I didn't lucky. pay attention to that. And the thing, though, with it was they <clears throat> didn't have any in-store for uh, the PS4 because I wanted PS4 for performance. So I had to look by store. And there was only one store in our area that had one. So I had to go online and say, I want that. And then they held it for me. I think there was one that still had a PS4 copy near us. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I think the Switch ones did run out, though. Okay. Well, and I actually, uh, and so, James, Persona 5 Royal did go on sale within a month of release. <laughs> I know it did go. That was another one of those ones that went down. I'm still, I, I'm not too bad on it because I think for some of them, yes, you would have got the steel book, but some of the others, it's hard to say whether you were going to get the steel book. They probably just might have been the standard edition. So that's the thing. So uh, only the standard edition went on sale. The launch edition with the steel book did not. But then I think those are all just gone anyway. And that's why I went for the Steelbook and stuff like that. So Yeah, because I pre-ordered, so I have the Steelbook, but I did buy the Standard 2, so I'm debating what I should do. And then in regards to the other Persona games coming in January, unfortunately, we're not going to get physical for any platforms. I physical. It's just I'm digital not, for Persona 3 and Persona 4. I refuse 4. to buy those digitally. I'm buying them before digitally no i i already own it physically anyway for ps2 but i want golden but i'm not buying digital for golden i know they'll put that back out physically at some point there's no way they're not gonna put that out physically at some point it's fucking percent of four okay thinking of money i guess as they say uh were we gonna talk about our favorite whipping boy or other one again mike yeah, well, it's either Netflix or Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll will save for another episode. Which one came up on the dice this time on the eight ball? Yeah, uh, let me. Uh, I should give that a shake, and then we'll see what comes up. Well, oh, okay. Well, there's a big N on it. First of all, two things uh, did come up. James and I have often uh, mentioned uh, being a slight fan of uh, Michael Sanchino Makanai-san, Kion Kyoto from the Michael House. Like we we saw the anime on NHK. Netflix announced that they're going to do a live action. A trailer for that live action has come out. That came out a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, but now we also now have a release, a rough release date. It's set for January, right? Correct. And they had a trailer out for it as well. Yeah, it's a feel good show. I mean, as I said, it, it it's if you liked uh, my recommendation was always if you liked a. Uh, Midnight Diner. This might be up your alley because it'll make you hungry. But it, it, but it's a lot more. It has a lot more of a sunny disposition, literally. It definitely oh. was one of those ones where you could see it maybe becoming a live action before an anime. It, yeah. it definitely has a lot of the culture and a lot of different things that would lend it towards the live action. And we're all, we're going to see the live action, but we also mentioned NHK, and it's. Like that's an that was as an anime and an NHK property, but some interesting other pieces of news that came out over the last couple weeks. 
Last week, uh, there was a story that said NHK tells Netflix to stop distributing its programs after the launch of the ad tier. Right? Yeah, they were saying something that NHK complained that the ad support service was not what it is assumed to be in that Netflix did not explain to NHK, I guess, properly in their idea. So they said they wanted it off. And supposedly they said one of the reasons could have been that NHK has some policies, I guess, as a public broadcaster. And one of them is under its internet-related service standards, uh, forbid licensors of its content to distribute said content if there's a possibility of creating a misconception that it is recommending or advertising a certain product or service. Yeah. The thing is, it's seemingly there's, uh, according to reports, it's as many as 22 titles. Correct. Um, Kyogen Kyoto is not one of them because that's actually on Crunchyroll. But Attack on Titan can be one of them. Card Counter Sakura can be one of them. To Your Eternity, Welcome to Demon School, Vinland Saga. I think was uh, was there for a time, and that's that's associated with NHK. So I'm just wondering. It sounds like the properties are mainly anime. I can't think of any live action properties right now. Or I went, but yeah, I just found this a uh, kind of an interesting story. Yes, uh, NHK is a public broadcaster. They they avoid any ads wherever possible. Like there's a funny a funny little irony about that. Uh, presently in in Japan, there's uh, is will be the final day of a uh, Grand Sumo tournament. One of the key things that happen during sumo tournaments that they always do is before each bout, the uh, attendants go around parading the ring with ads, like for the audience, right? It's and it ends up really being strictly for the audience because NHK they're broadcasting it, but when the ad when the ring ads come up before the bout. They make it a point to cut away from from the ring. Maybe show uh, graphics on the screen, but otherwise you cannot see the ads. The ads uh, and the advertisers do pay a fair amount for those ads, but they're not shown on television. So, just a just something to put out there. They they go out of their NHK does go out of their way to not uh, be perceived as advertising anything or endorsing anything just something to put out there. So it's once again, it's a, it's one of those, one of those things when you talk about the whole East West, East West dynamic that exists here, right? We, we went, we talked a little bit about it in the, uh, with the ANN and Christopher McDonald interview. Here's another kind of another angle on it. And uh, yeah, who knows? Hopefully nothing comes off, but um the articles that we've read stated that uh, talks on this matter are ongoing. But thought uh, just a nice, interesting little tweak to the whole to the whole um, ongoing issues surrounding Netflix. Uh, anybody uh, taking a like? Does is anybody? Uh, how, do you know anybody who's taking out the ad uh, supported service of uh, on Netflix? Anybody? Don't know. Uh- anyone to say uh, the least but all those titles as we said are still on there they took off the ads right so that's a win for anyone who wanted to watch those okay well, Gavin? 
I can't speak for what you guys were talking about because I barely use Netflix, but yes, I will say uh, because Mo kindly let me use his account, I, I think Netflix finally cut the cable on that. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried using it this week and uh, I couldn't. End of an era. <laughs> oh well. Thank you, Mo. Like truly. Yeah, what happened? Like it just or did Mo stop or no, something? No, I well I assume they... it's that because Netflix has been cracking down on account sharing. Yeah. So I assume that finally happened. Well, uh, they said that it wouldn't really go- start going until next year, but uh, anyway. I just assume it's Netflix's fault. <laughs> well, and, and most of the time it is. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, uh, the whipping on uh, Netflix will be kept to a minimum today. Do you have, uh, Kevin, uh, so on the topic of the publishers, we, we, Neglected to mention this one during the ANN like weeks ago because the ANN story broke out. But around the same time, uh, an antitrust lawyer voided out uh, voided out a publisher uh, merger. The um, what is it? The Simon and Schuster Penguin Random House merger. Yeah, you know, that was a mo- that was a long time. Yeah, it got blocked. That's the word we're looking for. And well, do you have a thought on that? Do uh, you or James have a thought on that one? Because I, I want to bring it up at least briefly, and wonder what what type of where what type of ramifications. Not necessarily in and of itself, but we're approaching other other similar cases here. I guess it's the future uh, stuff it, we're thinking about, but it the ramifications. Sense. Okay, so would uh, Kevin go first? It made sense. Like that's it. That's all I can really say. Well. They were already two of the biggest ones, and now they're going to combine. Like, uh, that that would have just there would have been basically no competition at that point. Okay, it's James. That's why I'm not surprised. Okay, uh, we have seen other companies get around it in different ways and stuff like that, and we have seen them break other companies up. But yes, thankfully they actually did their job, and then they blocked it. And basically, that meant basically Simon and Schulster and uh, Penguin Random House had to basically go back and say, okay, we have to either redo this deal and stuff like that to meet their approval, or we just have to let it die on the table. And supposedly, it was they decided to let it die on the table and stuff like that. And basically, Penguin Random House is now going to be uh, spending $200 million to uh, pay a termination fee, basically, to uh, Paramount Global because they couldn't uh, consummate the deal. And I guess Simon Schulster will be back on the black uh, next year. Honestly, the Penguin House and Random... Oh, sorry, Penguin and the Random House merger shouldn't have happened either, in my opinion. No. And that's why I said these things can get through, you know what I mean? Well, let's uh, just uh, just to put that out there. Uh, what let's see what's under the both those umbrellas: Penguin Random House, uh, Seven Seas, Kodansha, Square Enix, Dark Horse. Though that's those are the imprint- some of them uh, are distribution. Don't forget because Seven Seas yeah, is independent, but the, it's distribution and stuff like that. There, I mean, just under these for various reasons, clients, I guess at the very least. Simon and Schuster, Fizz. Okay. 
But I guess uh, in regards to that, uh, with the way that turned out, maybe uh, they'll take a stronger look maybe at other cases. As you said, Mike, maybe uh, the Microsoft and the Activision Blizzard, they may take a stronger look at that. And we've heard different things from different regulatory um, bodies across the world about arguments for and against and stuff like that. And We've seen the companies throwing each other under the bus like Sony was throwing uh, Electronic Arts EA under the bus because they said Battlefield just does not hold a candle to Call of Duty and stuff like that. And that is why we can't have uh, Microsoft have Activision, Activision Blizzard mm. and other uh, arguments, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's going to reach ahead in the near future, so we'll... we'll... I'll certainly be I'm curious to see where that goes. I think most of, most of the industry will be curious too. It's just I wonder because this like how big is the um how big is the customer base here compared to books? That's part of the story here, right? Like um like we, like within our fandom, yeah, but just within general. Just generally speaking, how big would video how big is this in comparison? I mean, we, we were talking, do- yes, the dollar figures, yes. That's another story. But just in terms of just who plays, who, like the amount of customers that the video game, that video games here would have compared to books. And I, I, that's a nuance, I'll, that's a nuance that just has my attention. Uh, when, when that case, uh, well, moves forward. I guess, anyway. I guess the thing is, I think it is a win in the general scheme of things. And the other thing is that shelf space, determining who gets to be on that shelf, it could hurt for what we want to read and stuff like that. And that's in general, not just manga and light novels and all that stuff, even though it probably would affect what me and Kevin would be able to buy physically. Because some tells maybe we might've got physically, they're going to say, sorry, can't put you on the shelf. You're going to have to go digital or nothing. You know what I mean? Well, that, that'll probably be me and uh, and um, my uh, stepmom's daughter. So. Mm. Evan, I'll just think. Ah, oh, digital, digital. Anyway, digital. We've owner. seen it already, as we know, right? Because of Kodansha and other publishers. That's why the only digital exclusive title I own is Kasane. Because they never yes. did publish that in physically. Actually, everything else, was like, everything else I own was part of an existing Humble Bundle and was like four bucks. Like that's when, like it, it. Otherwise, I'm not buying it. I'm not paying seven bucks for a digital book. It's why I'll submit my uh, purchase request to the library, and then hopefully they'll put it on overdrive. Oh, okay. So, for example, uh, through the Toronto Public Library, a lot of Viz's digital catalog is on Overdrive. Yeah, that that that's accurate, actually. Okay. You know, it was funny. I was going to say we're thinking about books and stuff like that, and I forgot to mention one thing that was interesting from Jay Novel Club. Uh, supposedly, they teamed up uh, with Yen Press and probably helped them. They're going to be doing simultaneous, and this might be a one of the first for a light novel, the creator of a uh, goblin uh, slayer, Umo uh, Kagyu. 
supposedly his most recent novel series, uh, Blade and Bastard, they're going to do a simultaneous publishing with the Japanese release, which is starting now and stuff like that in uh, December, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Well, uh, well, that's it. It is interesting because uh, obviously there's a lot more to translate as just a novel, right? So, yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. I, I'm curious. I mean, just just. I guess it was the last frontier since they've started with uh, anime. They went to manga, and now they went to light novels. Yeah, I guess uh, that the that finishes. Well, you would think would finish up the uh, that part of the fandom. And I anyway. guess the thing is, since they've done uh, the Crunchyroll digital model, it's kind of like you guys know what you're doing. So instead of having Yen Press do it, they had J Novel, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Well, well, as I said, all stuff we'll uh, keep up with, but it's running. We're running late. Um, before we go tonight, uh, just to just to end on a couple serious notes. Uh, just uh, let's do a couple of um, in memoriams and obituaries here. Two names that have kind of uh, come to mind that have that have been in our fandom for years, uh, directly and indirectly. Um, Kevin Lillard passed away. Uh, earlier this month, on November eighth, apparently uh, had, he had some multiple health issues. He was probably one of the first uh, first noteworthy super fans. Uh, he was a cosplay photographer by hobby, and in the was it the nineties and early aughts, went to had had a busy schedule. Went around to various anime conventions and took a lot of photos. And it was the um, it was the it was the crux of his uh, popular website, a fan's view. Yep. And it was before, obviously, everyone had cameras on their phone and things like that. So it definitely was helping people connect and stuff like that. And that his site, a fan's view, uh, it remained active until 2009. But supposedly some people were able to mar- maintain an archive of his photographs uh, on AC Paradise with his permission, yeah. so it's still out there, which is great. Yeah, it, it's just interesting because, like, he would have been like this. His stuff was he was doing stuff in pre-social media days. Yep, right. And I remember he oh, definitely he came to cool. Anime North, so he's been to a lot of conventions in Anime North. I definitely know was one of them, and I do remember he was at uh, Con Nobaka. Is he kind of had to like he had a lot of things to say on that one because he kind of had to salvage whatever they had of their cosplay shoot area and stuff like that mm-hmm. what what i uh, like what uh, a lot of the the um, obituary articles made known which i wasn't really aware of was that by trade he's a photojournalist yeah no supposedly he worked uh in the news and stuff like that for the Indianapolis star newspaper and also as a reporter he also worked for uh news Gannett uh, service. He also did radio, supposedly, was a radio announcer, and he also did an announcing for auto racing. So he definitely had a varied career. But on the anime front, he also did uh, write a few articles, I guess, and used some of his photographs, Sam of Fans View, and different uh, things back in the day, like An America, New Type USA, Manga Max, and even Dark Horse's Super Manga Blast. So. Yeah. Sorry to hear. Uh, yeah, many health issues. It was his um, his niece that uh, revealed that news. So um, 
as I said, one of the one of the perhaps uh, one of the first really noteworthy super fans in in North America. Yeah, and to I guess help uh, promote the different uh, cosplayers and things like that because people would go and see them, but then like to see them out there and things like that, and people enjoy that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, tip of the hat to the, to him. Happy trails. Do we want to say something about uh, Jason David Frank as well? since he passed away a couple uh, last week. Like, I mean, um, <laughs> one of the, the man and probably the one consistent in the power Rangers franchise started off as the green Ranger and, and kept moving through the various incarnations of that, of that IP. Yeah. And he was supposed to be, I guess, just a smaller character at the beginning, because remember his character, was taken on and coerced by uh, Rita Repulsa and stuff like that, and then joined the team after that and stuff like that. So that was. And then they and then the character was supposed to have been killed off, but they kept. Ha- but, well, uh, he was kept. Mm-hmm. He became a fan favorite, right? In many respects, so they rewrote thing. Uh, I guess they wrote a, rewrote a few things to make sure at least his character stuck around. And there was a not- lot of passionate um, memorials from the different. Uh, rangers and stuff like that and people that worked with him of course and mm-hmm. some of them were definitely heartbroken and stuff like that because of yeah, course well, this isn't the first death as they said in the family yeah Twee Tran the uh, w- original yellow ranger she died in a car accident just I think a day before 9-11 back in 2001 so that that news really fell under the radar at the time and then yeah, everybody like all the uh, most of the Rangers, like the most popular ones back in the day, they they've uh, made made public statements and social media posts. Uh, uh, Walter Emmanuel Jones, um, David Yost, Amy Jo Johnson, especially Amy Jo Johnson, since I think um, his char- his character was most tied to her character, right? Since she was the original Pink Ranger. Hmm. Uh, hers was probably the most heartfelt. Even uh, even Austin St. John, who was the original Red Ranger in that series, has spoke has spoken. I think uh, when I look at like his um, his background compared to the others, he probably was the most legit of uh, as a martial artist. That's what I'm thinking when I read some of these. When I read up the a, bit, a few of the profiles, at least he was the most uh, like most legit. Uh, I mean, the others knew stuff too, but probably he was the most. He was just on another level in that sense, in terms of actual martial arts prowess, right? And I think he got into uh, mixed martial arts at some point, he too, did. I believe. Yeah. But uh, but there's always a dark side, and it was a little sad to hear that, yeah, he he had issues in his personal life. And that's what it, how it went, I guess. I mean, yeah, there are various reports, and they, we're not going to de- deny that those reports are out there, but we're not. it's just not worth saying much else on our end. Right. But yeah, um, Jason, David, Frank, a lot of people grew up with him. I'm really old enough to remember when he was, when he was out there, but he was, uh, he was, he was big for some, for a lot of younger people out there. And, um, I know that there, there's been many tributes, uh, to him gone at the age of 49. Anyway, um, as I said, we uh, kind of went a little bit over time. Kinda, and as I said, a bit more uh, 
thrown together than usual, but we, we want to get in the quota for the month. So it was good to, to do it. <laughs> right guys. Oh, let's see. I actually, uh, one thing before the one thing before we go tonight, one thing. Oh, it's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, but maybe, but it's time to challenge you just a little bit here. Oh, but I never go with just one thing. Uh, Ooh, but we're see, I was gonna. It was either gonna be me actually, uh, talking quickly about the the Chris interview because I didn't get a chance to read it until this episode, or I could just go into like what I watched, but or what well, I read. Me, I don't know if you guys did that before that. I came. Um. Well, we haven't talked about it, but but I think I will save that for another time because we can talk about that all uh, any time. Okay, give me a give me a thought going back on the Christopher McDonald uh, interview on ANN. Like, what got, what grabbed your attention there? Now that you've probably given a better look at well, it. Well, reading some of the discourse, uh, the the Japanese application of fair use for images was interesting. I mean, they won't be using as many images as before. And it doesn't really matter to me because I'm okay with just reading walls of text for my news articles. But, you know, if you're, if you're on the internet, it never hurts to have that. So we eh, can have many images, as we said before. And stuff. Yeah. So I don't think it'll affect them too much as they say but you never know it's just an interesting little thing in there isn't it 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 doesn't matter to me like i said but i guess that's just one way of like that's just one of the things that they had to enforce on them and they decided to back down on it and we all know as i said last time what when you start giving into little things how long does it take before it becomes bigger and bigger things this, this, what, yeah. this is the eternal skeptic in me. Yeah, I know. The give an inch, take a mile, right? Yeah, and and like I said last time, like I have all the confidence that they will do their best to maintain editorial neutrality and integrity. Because that's they're one of the last places on the internet that have been able to do this, truth be told. Yeah, well... I mean, the other side of it is sometimes it is just a money game. No, I and I won't say it, but oh, come on. I mean, that's why they that's why it went the way it did. And the the fact that they had to pump, they want to like actually get the whole subscriber thing going. I actually didn't realize it was still in beta. No, it so was, was still in beta, and that's why I think they needed. It's like either get it done or cut the cord and they finally are like, okay, we have to go now. Yeah. Be interesting because... to see what that means for them. Yeah. Well, who knows? A- anyway. And the whole translator debate in the comments was intriguing as well. I don't know. I actually don't recall if you guys went over that. I didn't look at it in the comments. Is it based off from the sale or is it the... It's talking interview? about articles that they get uh, I guess from the Japanese source and stuff like that and a discussion yes. on how they basically then bring it into the site you know what I mean translated and make it presentable to us on the website and some people have taken issue with some articles 
Yeah. Which is interesting, because obviously, as a person who doesn't understand uh, and cannot read Japanese, I would never have known this. Mm-hmm. But that's in the uh, that's in the uh, the discussions after that interview. Yes. Okay, thirty nine posts in the form. It's just that obviously, with their resources before the sale, it was not feasible for them to just have numerous translators on call twenty four seven. Which which isn't a which isn't a we've already established may not be the best uh, line. And it still may not be feasible, but uh, Chris was saying in the comments that it definitely is something that they can look into now. But oh, yeah. No uh, promises. Yeah. Unlocks a number of possibilities. And as I said, that's at length of what we talked about. But, but hey, we're a brave new world, right? Yeah. Brave new world. Anyway. But uh, as I said, uh, you know that's that's the uh, most of what we had on our mind this evening, mm-hmm. and I get the feeling I get the feeling. Well, conversation will always continue. It's just maybe we'll continue ours sooner than people think. It, well, I'm I'm hoping it's not three weeks down the road at the very least. <laughs> but uh, well, let's get some sleep because uh, what the Japan match is now four hours away. And the Canada match is now 10 hours away. I want to get a little rest before then. So that's all we'll have for now. Once again, if you want to contact us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com. I'm going to mention one more time the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash animeroundtable, because I got a capture card now. And maybe I'll hook that up to my PS5 and properly use it. And uh, you can see me attempt to play another Yakuza game, if anyone's interested, among other stuff. Well, you just let us know. Yeah, I will. I will. As for the podcast side, uh, as always, please leave us a review, if you can. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, if you can leave a review, because reviews, especially good reviews, will help us in the algorithm. Thumbs up, thumbs down. How many stars, Kevin? As many as you can afford us. I'll just take yeah. any new review at this point. I don't think we've had any reviews in quite a while. Uh, if at all. No, there are a few. Yeah. On Spotify. There is one on Spotify? Well, no, we have five people that rated us five stars. On, on Spotify? Uh, yeah. This I got to check out. Okay. And one of them was Huh? Yeah, probably one of the yeah, and probably two of them are from you and Mo. Thanks a lot, by the way. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. We'd been trying to do bi-weekly, but we'll try and do something at least twice a month. Because um life does get in the way. It's nice to have a week off this week, actually, on a personal note. But in any event, please give us a subscribe, a like, or a follow on any of the platforms we're on so you can be notified when we put up something new. And on the topic of Spotify, if you have a paid account, please check out our anime roundtable playlist for a list of music based on things we mention on the show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Piko Misaki, which is the title track of her current album. You can check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on Facebook at Pico Zen Music. Thanks for listening. 
Good night from Toronto. And join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Amo, you still there? Never left, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, bored you to death. Let me hit the stop button, okay? Like I couldn't find a spot to jump in at. I was like, huh? the conversation was flowing very nicely, so I didn't have a. Spot. I was trying to yeah. do the whole like, oh, maybe we should we should talk about stuff we've watched so that Mo can chime in. Yeah, chime in on something. Well, let's see what happens in the next twenty four hours.